if I have a Bitcoin, right, I can send money to my relatives who are in Malawi or in Namibia or in Ghana. Currently, I can't. Uh, with our own currency, I can't send money out freely and quickly. But if we can sit down as a community and say, okay, we need to buy a new borehole and we can do that just by using our phones, that's an amazing thing. You know, if we look at it from a place of development, if we look at it from a place of helping the community and taking care of each other, if it allows us to take care of each other without having to create so many barriers and so much red tape to get stuff done with money. I feel like when you change that narrative, you speak to something very deep within an African. Servus and greetings from Vienna. My name is Anita Posch. Thank you for listening to Bitcoin und Co., my podcast that's introducing the philosophy, ideas and people behind Bitcoin. Bitcoin, Bitcoin in Africa, the Ubuntu way. If Bitcoin works in Zimbabwe, it works everywhere. Hello and welcome to the fourth part of my six-part series about Bitcoin in Zimbabwe and Southern Africa. Today's guest is a young woman from Harare. She calls herself a digipreneur and is working as a teacher too. With her organization that is focused on the digitalization of Africa, she aims to bring Zimbabwe forward. As the use of Bitcoin is outlawed and the state of human rights and free speech is rather poor in Zimbabwe, we agreed to not mention her name. Thank you, my anonymous friend, and I also thank all the other people in Zimbabwe who have been so kind to dedicate their time to support my work. And thanks to you, my listener, for following. If you want to ask a question, feel free to visit the episode page at bitcoinandco.com that's bitcoinundco.com forward slash en forward slash Africa 4 and press the appropriate button. I will answer your question in one of the next episodes. This podcast special and my trip to Africa would not have been possible without my sponsors and supporters. I want to thank my sponsors first. LocalBitcoins.com, the person-to-person -person Bitcoin exchange site founded in 2012. LocalBitcoins allows you to trade directly with another person. This makes the process customizable, lean and fast, as there is no corporate overhead. You can get your Bitcoins instantly. For every trade, LocalBitcoins.com offers escrow protection to ensure the Bitcoins and both traders are safe. Thanks to Shift Crypto Security, manufacturer of the hardware wallet Bitbox 02, to Peter McCormick and the What Bitcoin Did podcast, to Coinfinity, manufacturer of the card wallet, and many thanks to several unknown private donors who sent me Satoshis over the Lightning Network. This special is edited by Coindesk's podcast editor Adam B. Levine and published first on the Coindesk Podcast Network. Thank you very much for supporting the Bitcoin in Africa series with your work. Thank you also to Gotenna for donating several Gotenna devices to set up a mesh network in Zimbabwe. To stackwork.com, the place to earn Bitcoin over the Lightning Network and to Team Satoshi, the decentralized sports team for supporting my work. This special is also brought to you by the Let's Talk Bitcoin Network. If you like my work and the Bitcoin and Co. podcast, please take a minute to share it with your friends on social media and subscribe to the feed in your podcast player. You'll find the subscription links at bitcoinandco.com forward slash en forward slash subscribe. I am a entrepreneur, well, what we, what you would call a digipreneur. Uh, I'm an educator and I'm also creative. My main interaction with Bitcoin has come through uh, my organization. We basically focus on 
Furthering the dialogue and development of the fourth industrial revolution and its impact on African economies and communities. And so we look across all sectors from finance to agriculture, to education, to arts, uh, to governance, mining, etc. So my um, research into Bitcoin and everything else related to fintech and cryptocurrencies came through my organization. And what is your current opinion on Bitcoin or how do you see Bitcoin in Zimbabwe? I think Bitcoin in Zimbabwe is going to be a challenge to try and establish. Also considering like our tech infrastructure is not that great. Um, it could be a lot better. But I think Bitcoin as a way to, you know, fight the system and, you know, the usual narrative that comes with Bitcoin, I don't think would be successful in this country. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. But the properties of Bitcoin, like being permissionless, cannot be inflated, cannot mm. be censored, will be or is maybe more stable than your local money here. Mm. Isn't that enough? Like, isn't that a good thing to do, to it's be? It's incredibly attractive. It is the right thing to do. I mean, it would be the right. It would make so much sense. But I think um, where we're coming from culturally as a nation, um, our belief systems, also our lack of trust generally in uh, whatever's new <laughs> or different, I think would make it really hard to justify why we would adopt something like Bitcoin, especially since it cannot really be controlled or taxed per se. <laughs> so you're talking about the government at the moment, huh? Yeah, I am. So, yeah, okay. Yeah, so that's this side. Yeah. At the moment, I think it's not really regulated, mm. but um, there was a platform called Golix. Yes, there was a platform. I believe they've since shut down. Um, it, it, because it was new and it was different and the government had no way of controlling people were, they had an ATM, which is actually what got them shut down. They had an ATM, which you could cash out your Bitcoin in hard currency in, in, US, dollar, in US dollar, in US dollar. Oh, um, and that obviously, you know, obviously caused a bit of a stir. And I'm not sure what regulations they hadn't followed, etc. But it was very soon, um, Initially, it was just the ATM that was removed. And then I think a couple months later, the entire institution had shut down. Um, I, I'm not sure whether you can still trade in Golix. Um, but um, yeah, as far as I know, that was shut down very quickly, which for me was very eye-opening and indicative of how cryptocurrency is viewed generally in this country and how it's mistrusted a lot. Yeah, because the government cannot control it. Yes. And, and they don't want to have that people exchange their money, the local money into yeah. Bitcoin or yeah. the USD into Bitcoin. They mm. want to control it because they use it by themselves. I mean, yes. they want the money here. Yeah? Yes. What's about Ubuntu? So Ubuntu is, it basically stands for I am because you are. The health of your community, the health of the people around you will determine your own personal well-being so i'll give you an example on how we greet each other so when we say good morning it's typically mamuka say which is just asking how did you wake up the response to that is tamuka which means we woke up well only if you woke up well so it's ingrained in our very language it's it's basically putting an emphasis on those around you in order to improve your own social standing or your own your own well-being as a person. So I feel like if we shift cryptocurrency for what it stands for, aside, there's a one side where it's like, yeah, it's against the system. It's like this activist. It's almost taken on the shade of activism. But if you look at it in the benefit that I can, if I use, if I have a Bitcoin, let's just choose Bitcoin, right? I can send money to my relatives who are in Malawi or in Namibia or in Ghana. Uh, currently, I can't. Uh, with our own currency, I can't send money out um, freely and quickly. It's usually a bit of a process and you have to get all sorts of approvals. But if cryptocurrency, if Bitcoin allows me to quickly take care of the people around me, if we can sit down as a community and say, okay, we need to buy a new borehole for our community because we don't have water and we haven't had water for years and we need a communal borehole. If 
Bitcoin allows us to buy and ship that <laughs> a ball where they want the equipment or whatever, we want to bring it in from America or China or Europe. And we can do that without just by using our phones and not having to go through like, that's an amazing thing. You know, if we look at it from a place of development, if we look at it from a place of helping the community and taking care of each other, if it allows us to take care of each other without having to create so many barriers and so much red tape to get stuff done with money. I feel like when you change that narrative, you, you speak to something very deep within an African, um, even in the midst of our selfishness, I will be selfish about something because in my mind, I know I've got my mother, my father, my brother, my grandmother, my aunt, my daughter, my husband. I've got my whole family to take care of. If this thing allows me to take care of everybody around me and those outside of the country as well, that's amazing. You know, that's fantastic. Um, and instead of focusing on fighting the, the system, because that doesn't work, you know, especially in such a politically volatile country and an economically volatile country as ours, the narrative won't be well received and will most likely be met with a lot of resistance um, from government, from people as well who are already in positions of power. Um I think I feel like we put a lot on the government. Yes, the government is responsible for a lot, but it's at the end of the day, it's the market, it's people and how we use the resources that we have as a country. And so sometimes it's people who will resist new changes because then it affects their own under dealings and their own corruption dealings. So when you sell it from a place, almost like CSR, um, corporate social responsibility, you know, we're being responsible and that Bitcoin is a tool for responsibility. It's a tool for community development. And if we start it off at that level, I feel like we'll be a bit more open to learning about it and understanding how it works and realizing that it can be a solution. Sometimes it's scary, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's bad. Yeah. So changing the narrative from Bitcoin a money of freedom, freedom mm. for yourself. Yes. To Bitcoin is community money, maybe. Yes. yes. Yeah? Okay. Yeah. Then yeah, understand. So because in in outside of Africa, in Europe and in the US, the narrative around Bitcoin is very much the self sovereignty and mm. and independence and freedom. Yeah. Mm. Mm. So and I understand that that would not be the right way to communicate that here. No, it's not. It's not. We're we're not a selfish people. Um, Africa, Africa as a continent has always been built on your neighbors, on being neighborly, on building communities. We were, we were about kingdoms, you know, and that sort of nature. It was always the wealth of the community, the well-being of the community. Um, we, even this culture, for example, it's just an example to, to illustrate culture, putting our elderly in homes, That was that that was like our ancestors right now are turning in their graves like what are you doing that's not what we do it's as soon as the person gets past a certain age where they struggle to do things for themselves you bring them into the family and what would happen is the grandmothers or the grandfathers would be the ones who would then impart wisdom onto the children because you've got children in the house so they would almost become like your nannies for lack of a I guess your your maids and your nan not your maid but your nanny yeah. <laughs> be there to look after the children and but you know pass on knowledge and and, and that sort of thing and so independence and like self-sovereignty it's important but not as important as the health of your community yeah I think self-sovereignty is also meant uh, in a way against or in opposite to the government or to the state mm. to the nation mm. you know to the nation state the nation. independent mm. yeah exactly mm. because you were speaking of elderly people now I uh, realized that here in Zimbabwe elderly people are very well respected yes they there's even we don't have that there's a line mm. in the supermarket where it yes. says uh, elderly people that's yes. a line for especially for them yes we don't have that really no wow that is I'm sorry <laughs> I'm sorry if you're old and listening yeah. to this podcast. Come to Zimbabwe. We'll take care of you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> if we can find the fuel to pick you up from the airport. <laughs> That's the point. <laughs> In the last weeks, 
I think the government decided on the minimum wage for workers, mm. like for gardeners or maids or mm. something like that. Mm. And I think it's like eight USD a month. Yes. I mean, imagine that. Yes. I, How can they live? And then they have to get home with tra with the minibuses, public, public transport, yes. which costs like my, maybe 50 US cents or something yes. like that, you know? Yes. <laughs> so basically, yeah. people cannot go home to their family because they can't afford, because they only earn like 10 USD a month. Exactly. And then you have children at home uh, exactly. and, and elderly people and your whole family. I exactly. mean, this is that's actually I've, that's slavery in a, in a it way. It is. Yeah. It is. And then you have people who are desperate. So, for example, um, then we start to borrow behaviors that aren't ours. And I hope I can speak candidly. When you talked about slavery, I thought a, a, a story came to mind. Yes. So I, like a lot of people who work, I'm fortunate that I work. Um, so I have someone who works, uh, who who stays at home with my child and who takes her to school. So I have a nanny. I have a live-in nanny. Um reason she has to live in because I can't afford to pay her enough to pay her rent every month because if she really wants to live in a place every month it's going to cost her at least 30 US dollars a month in additional to hers she has two children that she has to put in school they need school uniforms mm. she has to feed herself so she's a living which is cheaper for me in that I know everything is covered for you. You have food 24-7, there's electricity, there's water. And for her, it's actually more favorable to be living because to stay in uh, in this, you know, for example, in Bari, that's where she's based. To go and live there all the time, you've either got no power all the time or you've got no water and you have to walk long distances with a bucket. So she would opt to stay in because we stay in a neighborhood where there's always water and there's always electricity and it's borehole water, so it's clean. But... You'll have a scenario where I'll have someone ask me, oh, how much do you pay your maid? And then I'll say, oh, well, you know, 800 bond, basically. And then I take care of everything else. And, like, and you'll have a lot of people say, that's far too much. It's far too, too much. much. I'll say, oh, no, for a maid, that's too much. I'm like, but... You know, because of the, you know, I mean, you know, you can't, you can't pay someone that much. I was like, but yeah, because why then not? they would have to pay more. Yes, yeah. I'm like, but why not? Because she's a mother. She's a single mother with two children, and I know that's not even enough. That's not even enough to fill up a trolley. Right now, forty bond is the new one. What is the new one dollar? Right, it's forty now. Forty, forty bond, right? Like not uh, as an uh, rate, not yeah. rated per se. I mean, like, um, so when you walk into a shop, uh, things like uh, to buy anything basic that's not your bread or milk, mm -hmm. usually the cheapest price you'll see is thirty nine ninety nine. So that's become like what we'll then call that's the new dollar. Basically, that's the new one dollar. That's the new five. What you, what used to cost a dollar or two dollars is now forty bond. You have a hundred bond. You can come out with two things, right? If you have eight, if you have 500 bonds, you can come out with five things. So now you're constantly looking at different ways to supplement, right? So we've managed to get her to, to a place where now she's able to afford to rent one room. So on the weekends, she has somewhere to go home to. She's now got a place that she's calling her own. But you have to supplement that because... That 800 today, by the end of the month, it's not going to be worth much because everything has gone up. And she's affected by everything. She's affected by the fuel increase because that means the price of combis and the public transport goes up. That means the price of food will then go up. Every time fuel goes up, food in the shops goes up. Everything goes up once fuel goes up. So you can't say, oh, well, you know, she's got no... You know, it's not like she's driving. It's like, well, it's she's still affected because the cost of fuel. So you'll have to supplement. So it's like, okay, here's your salary. I know it's not enough. And then maybe you'll top up with some groceries, groceries for home, buy school uniforms, you know, for the kids because she can't afford to. School uniform bill for her alone for one uniform, one uniform set for each of her child came up to 80 US dollars. <gasps> That's a shirt, a short, socks, Eight. and a jersey. Mm -hmm. It was 40 US for each child. Mm -hmm. 80. Where, where is she going to get that money from? So you have to do it. And people are like, no, but you shouldn't. Mm -hmm. And it's become our culture where we, you want to pay someone as little as possible. 
Because it's like, okay, well, you know, but survival and what about me and what about my kids? That same money, it just means, okay, this month you're not, maybe you're not buying takeout. That same amount of money that you would have paid for takeout in a month, if you add it all out, all up, if you go out every weekend and you add up how much money you've spent every time you go up, I'm sure it will actually hit that 80 US dollar mark. So instead of going out every weekend, take care of the person who's taking care of your household. Because if that person's not there... Who's going to look after you? Who's going to look after your children? Who's going to make sure your house is clean when you're out at work? Mm-hmm. And there's a sense of um, those who are employed have a way of oppressing others. It's almost like we've gone back to the way our colonialists, you know, operated. That's how they operated. Yeah. When they came and colonized us, that's exactly what they did. And now when you come into good fortune, you go right back to that way. It's like, well, I'll pay you the bare minimum, the bare bare minimum so that you know because you are after all lower than me and you just clean the floors well and it's become a culture it's disgusting to see really because that's not who we are as a Mm. people we look after each other that's what you should do Mm. eight us dollars is nothing and if you're paying that and you're feeling proud of yourself because of that and that you know it's it's not something to be proud of no it's not. It's unfair. Mm. It's Ajina Wunu. That's what we say. Wunu is Ubuntu. It's a Shana word for Ubuntu. Ajina. It's got no culture in it. It's uncultured. It's uncouth. It's almost savage behavior. That's not how we operate as a people. You mm. know, if you have wealth, you're supposed to build a bigger table, not a higher wall. And now a short word from my sponsors. Not your keys, not your coins. Be the holder of your keys for your Bitcoin. For that, use a well-built hardware wallet like the Bitbox O2 by Shift Crypto Security from Switzerland. With their upcoming app for Android, you can connect the hardware wallet directly with your phone and send and receive Bitcoin on the go. Check it out at shiftcrypto.ch. That's shift, C-R-Y-P-T-O. .ch. You get free shipping with the code ANITA. So let's talk a little bit about the positive side. <laughs> yes, I mean, it's got you, quite you, dark. <laughs> you've, got a, you, you've got a great country. I mean, it's gorgeous. and I think the rain is a problem at the moment. Mm, There's mm, not enough water. It is, yeah. Yeah, yeah it, the rainy season came late, mm-hmm. very late, yeah. Uh, do you see any chances that, uh, I mean, Zimbabwe was once, I think, the breadbasket? Exporting yes. uh, food to other countries. Yes. And now yes. you're importing everything, basically, yes. huh? Do you think is there a way back? Absolutely. I mean- Absolutely. I I <laughs> I believe very strongly in that. Our biggest and most valuable resource right now actually is our people. Um I think it's fair to say Zimbabweans are some of the most resilient people in the world. Put a Zimbabwean anywhere and they are most likely to be very successful or to make a big impact on whatever community that they have joined. Um the current people that we have the current brain power that exists, I don't think we've actually had a stronger generation intellectually than we currently have right now. Um, our millennials, for lack of a better <laughs> term, are very, very bright and passionate. But I feel like this current, the, the slightly younger than the born freeze, mm-hmm. have have so much going for them and i would accredit a big chunk of that to that um we have more access to information than any other generation before us the digital age this fourth industrial revolution has allowed us to be a lot smarter i mean we've got our children are all already know how to use tablets and cell phones um And we have access to information at our fingertips and we know how to use the tech. And so because we know how to use the tech and we've grown up in this space, we're very eager to see change. And so we can grow, but only by doing things differently. This is where we're struggling right now as a country, because I feel like there's this huge generational gap. It's it's a gap where we have a group of people, right? The baby boomers. I don't know the group after baby boomers. I always forget. Yeah. (laughs) Sorry, group after baby boomers. That's my group, actually. Wow, I'm sorry. Your group? (laughs) No, the next one. The next one. I'm not a baby boomer. You're not a boomer. Yeah. So after the boomers, basically 50 and above. 
basically. Sorry. sorry <laughs> not not shame. above yet. <laughs> not above yet. Okay. See, see, it's a good space to be in. <laughs> so, the, they're so used to doing things a certain way. And the adoption of new ways of thinking, new ways of doing things, even utilizing things like tech, but also just new ways of thinking. It's very hard to get them to sort of adopt that. But then you have this crop that's like 50 and below. It's basically like almost 40 and below. Actually, I'd peg it at 40 and below. I feel like 40 and 50 is a bit of a gray area here. Um, in Zimbabwe, like youth goes up to like what, 45? Nuts. No, I think until 50. Didn't until you 50, say yes, until last 50, time I'm yes. still young? Yeah. You're still very youthful here. <laughs> um, but like you, you have this group that's keen on doing things differently. And that's... Um, got the tools and the know-how and that are trying to infiltrate that sounds very dark this could get me followed at night but like trying to assist in improving the way we do things but we're very stuck in an archaic way of functioning i mean uh we like to talk of e-governance but go as far as even just the national archives for example it's paper you you know even if you go into the computer it's not much that's been posted into a lot of it is still hard copy and a lot of companies function like that where they've got piles and piles and rooms and rooms full of paper and that's where our information and our data is stored i feel like Zimbabwe, the key to Zimbabwe's turnaround is actually in data. I asked a question to the Ministry of Energy and I said, with our energy crisis, we obviously need to harness alternate sources of power. But does the ministry know right now how many people own generators? Do we know that figure? How many people own generators and how many people own inverters? Because just that little number alone, just those figures alone can help us figure out how to create a alternate power source that feeds back into the grid. Mm -hmm. But how do you know how much power we can generate if we don't know how many people have alternate sources of power? Yep. How many people have solar? How many people have, we don't, you don't have this information. I feel like if we just took time to gather data, data is what is required to turn Zimbabwe around. I deeply believe this and I feel like I will be proven right maybe many years from now but I feel like if you just have the right information quality data you know not like knowing how many generators or how many solar packages are imported into the country is not useful mm. knowing how many people have actually acquired those things and how many how much power we can generate if all your excess power feed it back to the grid you'll find that we might even have a surplus where we start paying people you know to produce power because it's too much where we now have to start sharing our power with everybody else with south africa bell escoma why not with our own um, alternate energy. So I feel like little things like that and applies everywhere. You know, like how many Zimbabweans have medical aid? How many Zimbabweans have ever been in hospital? Like we, little bits of information like that can feed so much into solutions because a lot of the current solutions are very data heavy. You need knowledge in order to turn things around. I feel like it is quite possible, especially things like agriculture. Agriculture sector has always held our economy up, basically. Agriculture has always been a cornerstone of our economy. Um, mining as well, but agriculture more than mining even. Uh, we're now trying to put a lot of emphasis on mining, things like our lithium belts, and because lithium is required in these special batteries. We shouldn't even be thinking that far. How do we utilize the gold that we have? Zimbabwe hasn't run out of gold. Gold is still very valuable. How do we how how do we utilize the resources we currently have before we're trying to find the new buzzword, the new the new next best mineral? Because there'll always be a new next best, you know. But at the end of the day, gold often backs up a currency. If a currency is backed by bullion, right? There are no more currencies that are backed by gold I worldwide, know, which no. is just shocking. <laughs> yeah. But I'm saying if we go back, you see, this is, this is what that's I'm saying. That's what Bitcoin is about. This is true. <laughs> I, I now have nothing left to say. <laughs> Thank you so much for this interview. It was great. <laughs> we are in, currently in hyperinflation. I believe so. Maybe an economist will tell me I'm wrong. But 
from the conversations I've been in, both formal and informal around our economic forecast, uh, I mean, we were told in, I think it was in December, I had a very well-known um, economics professor who did basically an assessment of our budget, our national budget, as well as what it implies and what this means for our economy going forward. And he basically was like, well, look, this budget really is actually useless. <laughs> mm -hmm. Sorry, government. Um, but yeah, it's because inflation is going to make these figures irrelevant. So we're, we're running against this clock where we, we can't seem to control inflation. And the moment you can't control inflation, it doesn't matter what other measures you put in place. Look at how we're taxed. We have regressive taxation. Regressive taxation is when you tax spending. Mm -hmm. The moment you start taxing spending, everyone spends. So you're constantly taxing people. That That is a sign of a failing economy, regressive taxation. It's not positive. Um, and so once you do that, you, you already put yourself in this tight spot. So now it's like, I feel like we're living hand to mouth as a country. Like whatever money we get in that day from taxing everybody on what they've spent, uh, you tax regressively, meaning that all the prices then go up, meaning that you have to spend more, but then now you can't afford to spend more. And it's this dangerous cycle of prices constantly going up because the shops have to put their prices up because they're getting taxed. So me as a shopper, I get taxed when I purchase. The shop gets taxed. <laughs> you know, so they then have to put tax upon tax and then they put their tax. So when you swipe, you get taxed by the shop. Then you get taxed by the bank. Uh, you get taxed by the country, right? Then you get taxed by the bank. That's three sets of taxes that hit you when you pay. Do you think that if the narrative of Bitcoin would change, mm. could it be of any help, you know, supporting the country or the people, the community? Do you think there's a way? I mean, I imagine one problem is the liquidity. Mm -hmm. So you don't have much Bitcoin here. Nobody takes it. People mm -hmm. want it maybe mm -hmm. to hold it or because uh, you can exchange it to USD. Yes. What's your opinion on that, on the future of Bitcoin here? The future of Bitcoin in Zimbabwe, my question always becomes, can I pay my rent with my Bitcoin? Can I go into a shop and buy my food with a Bitcoin? And those are the really basic needs of any person. Can I get onto public transport and be able to get from point A to point B with my Bitcoin? These are the questions when I ask, even when we, we had an event focused on fintech and we had a really long discussion, like we stuck onto the topic of cryptocurrency for a long time and of the people who had attended. And these are just ordinary people. Those were the questions that yeah. cryptocurrency is great as an idea in a functioning economy where people can afford to choose that as it's, it's, it feels almost like a luxury. Um, and it's sad because I don't think that's what it's supposed to be, No, but it was also bearing in mind cryptocurrency was designed in a functioning environment. It was designed by people who maybe haven't spent 12 hours in a fuel <laughs> I guess so, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's... Yeah. I think the basic problem, I mean, the, the problem of I can't pay my rent in Bitcoin, I, it's the same in Europe because mm. it's still people don't want to use it. They don't mm. trust it. It's just digital. What is it, you know? Mm. So mm. there's no trust in this trustless system. Yeah. Um, so I think the first thing that has to happen is that people gain trust and they, yes. they uh, can educate themselves and gain knowledge. And um, there is a way to cash out. I mean, mm. I've heard that if you have Bitcoin in Zimbabwe, you always find someone mm. who buys it from you for USD. Really? Yeah. And um, there's also a possibility online, for instance. Mm. Yeah? There are platforms like bitrefill.com, for instance, mm. where you can send your Bitcoin and they pay you out in uh, airtime for Econet or mm. Netel. Mm. Or tel okay, Net1 yeah, and yeah. Tel1. Yeah. Uh, or you can buy gift cards, you know. I see. So I think there are ways around the system. So you mm. could basically be if you're a freelancer for instance mm. and you're doing web design you could be paid from abroad in bitcoin mm. and then if you want to hold it as an asset you can hold it and or on the other hand you can cash it out here to usd mm. so there is a way we tried it 
There is a wow, really. Yeah, yeah. I think making the process easier because if it's only going to benefit, and I'm, I'm sorry to put it this way, and it's really strange coming from me because I'm all things tech and digital, but I feel like if it's going to only be going to benefit those of us who live in cities where in Harare, yeah. And in Bulawayo, if you live in a capital city where, you know, you can get access to money. And I, my parents, for example, live in a small town called, small mining town called Chegutu. And if I send it to them, can they also find someone who's in that small town who will buy it for them and give it to them at dollar? It's usually happens in the hubs, the city, the capitals. Yeah, but that's the basic thing of this open source community money, because it's not owned by anyone. It has, to, it's like a grassroots development and mm. it has to go there first. So it's, that's the problem or not a problem, but yeah, in the, the challenge, the mm. challenge in the adoption is that Bitcoin is not marketed by anyone. It yes. has to find its way. So people have to realize its value as a medium of exchange or as mm. a store of value. Mm. And I think then they start using it if it's also easy to use and to understand. Yes. That's, I think, also a main part. I, I have a friend and I see how even... Even though she's so close to me and I talk so much about Bitcoin for three years now, she still has never said, I want to set up a Bitcoin wallet mm. because she says it just has to get into my head before I want to understand it. Mm. And then I realize how difficult it is actually. Yeah. And I think basically it will need time. It needs time. I yeah. think it's long term. I don't think it can't work. If at any point I've suggested that it will never work in Zimbabwe, um, I stand to correct that it will work and it can work, but I feel like there's so many fundamentals that need to be fixed first. The cost of airtime to be able to log onto the cost of data alone to be able to log on. People will just buy a WhatsApp bundle. If I can set up, if, if people can find a way to make Bitcoin work with WhatsApp so that I don't have to have a whole new data bundle that I can't afford to, <laughs> you know, or, Or to find a way to piggyback it in such a way that it doesn't become an extra cost. What is a WhatsApp bundle? Our data is packaged into bundles, yeah? Mm -hmm. Our mobile data. Mm -hmm. Even right now, even our Wi-Fi, you buy bundles as well. You can buy a bundle as well in your Wi-Fi. Although it's general internet access. Yeah. I don't necessarily want to watch YouTube or whatever. I will buy data that will only allow me to use WhatsApp. You'll have a WhatsApp bundle or you'll have a social media bundle where you can access Facebook only and WhatsApp Facebook. either like, so they're bundled. So WhatsApp is usually just WhatsApp on its own. You can then buy a social media bundle. So sometimes it's, it's Facebook and Twitter or Facebook and Instagram. Yeah. Or Twitter only. And then you can buy WhatsApp only. And you'll find most people's use buying of data is always social media bundles. It's just for communication. Yeah. The cost of a normal data, which gives you general access to the internet, it's very expensive. Oh, we don't have these bundles. Now, this is, this is a culture here. Yeah, it's interesting. Do people use the internet also? Or do I like www websites? Because I've heard in many countries, people think that Facebook is the internet. For I mean, for some, yes, for some. Um, I, think, I think here generally we do know the internet is, you know, the world wide web. Yeah. Um, but what's more affordable is to just buy your social media bundle, your sure. communication bundle. So... I my my own parents will not buy a standard data bundle. They will buy a social media bundle. They'll buy a WhatsApp bundle. So if I send them a YouTube link, they say oh, I can't open it because I don't have those bundles. I just have social media. I just have WhatsApp bundles. It's just to allow me to be able to talk to people. So people rely heavily on that. So that's what I'm saying. That if if you don't fully understand the way the country operates and the people use data or internet. Trying to introduce something that means I'm going to have to spend how much on data in order mm -hmm. to use this? Oh, there's not like just like a WhatsApp group where you know, like if someone can learn how to create a bot or a group or whatever that allows you to set up a wallet through WhatsApp using the platforms that exist. That's why Libra was so interesting. I know Libra is not going to be coming to Zimbabwe, but Libra was a game changer. Yeah, I think Libra is also not coming to Europe or something mm. because the governments, of course, don't want it. Yeah, no one wants it. Yeah. You know, he's fighting. He's facing so much resistance. Libra is a game changer because. Especially in Africa, 
where you have things like social, we have limited data, we have limited access to the internet. Everybody has a Facebook account and setting up a Facebook account is really easy. And every country has created, especially in Africa or Southern Africa has create, allowed you to be able to at least, very least be able to access social media and WhatsApp. Mm -hmm. and Short question. Do you use Telegram here? Yes. Uh, it's not as popular though. But Telegram it's in one of those band bundles. No. No. So not. it would not, in, it's not in a social media bundle. No. It's not. You'd need a, a normal data for okay, Telegram. If you, so if you want to reach many people, you have to use WhatsApp or Facebook. Yeah, WhatsApp, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Instagram. Yeah, Twitter is another company. Yeah. Okay, Snapchat for the younger guys. Uh, ah, yeah. Um, yeah. TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's the very young ones. Yeah. <laughs> And now a short word from my sponsors. The Card Wallet is the ideal solution to store your Bitcoin keys in the medium and long run. No software updates needed. It's 100% offline. It leaves no traces on the blockchain if you give it away as a gift or inheritance. With the Card Wallet, you'll get one Bitcoin address. You can send Bitcoin to it whenever you wish. And all you have to do is to store it in a safe place. That's it. The manufacturers are the Austrian State Printing House, which is also the producer of Austria's passports, and Coinfinity, Austria's first Bitcoin broker. Order your card wallet at cardwallet.com forward slash Anita and get 20% off the price. So you said Facebook Libra is a game changer. I thought it was going to be a game. Like if it was going to come here when I heard about it, I got so excited. I was like, wow, that will change my life. But then I was like, it's not coming to Zimbabwe. I was like, okay, of course not. Um, <laughs> it's not going to a lot of countries. Oh, of course not. And when you see the amount of resistance that Libra has faced, that's when you realize that giving power back to the people, I think is a global leadership concern. Um, There is no government, I wouldn't just say Zimbabwe. I think it's a difference between Facebook, Libra and Bitcoin mm. is that Bitcoin is common good mm. and Facebook is Facebook. And yes, Libra is Facebook owned is by Facebook. Facebook and these other corporations. Yeah. So, I mean, do you want to have all of your money owned by basically by a private company? No, of course not. Yeah. No one really and wants that. Also the privacy implications. The privacy implications as well are an issue. I think what is attractive to it, because there's a lot of cons to it. The pros to it was accessibility. You just made access to money easier. Hmm. Um, it just makes it easier, you know, where it's like, okay, I can... It's like if, if World Remit was a bank, basically, <laughs> you know, like an online bank. It's like a PayPal, I guess, of sorts. Mm. Um, it being cryptocurrency, I think also the fact that people could maybe use the Bitcoin. I think the, one of the conversations I had with a group of geeks, if I can call them that, we call each other that geeks. We'd sit down and say, okay, well, if I can use my Bitcoin or um, what is it? What's that? One coin or, or these other yeah, brands? One coin yeah. is a scam. There's a scam. No, not one coin. I, sorry. I yeah. watched a documentary about one coin. That yeah. was very interesting. But um, all these other Sorry. cryptocurrencies. And if I can transfer that and transfer it to Libra and it can get to, you know, Venezuela or mm -hmm. Yemen or wherever it needs to get to, that would be, you know, cool. I was like, yeah, it will be cool. Yeah. But Facebook is the big demon of stealing your privacy. And it's basically f Facebook is like, a, you know, huge pervert, basically, that's just constantly spying on you. And, You know, they know everything. It's creepy. If I have a conversation with you right now, you'll probably see on Facebook, I'll start seeing ads about cryptocurrency. And it's like, <laughs> yeah. how do you know this, you creepy people? Like, so, I mean, it is kind of scary, but I think the interest comes from a place of alternatives. We don't really have freedom of choice mm. here in terms of how, what money to use and how to use it. Here, it's really USD or Zim dollar. That's all that really has power here. Rand, if you're going in the south, um, they don't even really want to see US dollar. They would rather have rands. <sighs> This is such a difficult conversation. It's mm. exciting, but it's difficult because accessibility, accessibility, ease of use. Half the time you don't have power. This is why I always keep saying like, how do I get that Bitcoin out? <laughs> Which is what everyone wants. Like, If you come here, people say, but okay, how do I touch it? How do I use it for something, you know, and will it cost me more? 
to use that Bitcoin. And if you look at it, it will because one, you need a normal data bundle. That's the thing, yeah. Which is a lot of money and not everyone can afford a normal data bundle. So there should be a basically an integration into Telegram or WhatsApp, for instance. Yes. Or in Facebook. That's an interesting question because I'm sure there are developers who can think a way around that maybe. How do you get it to the people through their avenues? Mm -hmm. Okay, you want to bring it here. Great. But you need to learn how we function first. Yeah. When you use EcoCache, for instance, mm. you need to have a phone. Yes. And what is the minimum plan that you are required? Do you need internet or no. airtime? None. None? None. So you just need a SIM card. Okay, that's the way how it works mm. because people would not be able to afford that. Yes. Okay. So as long as you have a phone and your phone doesn't even have to have access to the internet, you don't even have to have airtime in order to set up an EcoCache Okay. Or to receive money okay. through EcoCash. The only you just need you your phone just needs to be on. I understand. That's it. Okay, so that that's a small hurdle. Yeah. Yeah. That can be taken by everybody, yeah. basically. Yeah, basically. As this soon is why as you as soon as you have an old mobile phone, mm -hmm. because you don't even need, need yes. a new one or a no. smartphone. Yeah. No, you don't. Oh. This is why it this is why it was so successful. Mm. And this is why it's also sort of become a little bit of a demon as well, because When EcoCash goes down, everybody suffers for it. So basically, uh, you would need free internet here. Yes, which we are very far away from. I'm not sure. I mean, uh, Elon Musk is working on this Starlink project. And it would be great if he would bring internet here, free yes. internet. It would be amazing. It would be a game changer. It would change everything. everything. If something like that could happen, goodness me, it would... A lot of the problems we're talking about right now, like we would have smart farms all over the place, like everything would change if that was, you know, the case. It's also difficult, you know, to to see how that would work. Um, how do you access it? Is there a way if a country decides we don't like this thing? I don't no think way. that the, I'm not <laughs> sure if they can shut it. it down. I don't think so. I, I'm don't they know. can't I block don't know. us, give us block access to, we don't like this free internet thing. So we're going to, is there a way to create a cover over your country where no phone can catch this network? Like, you know, it's, and people, and you have to think about these things because like, our, our, that's how governments think across the world for every positive thing that comes out. How do we control this? But basically, <laughs> basically, Zimbabwe would be a great country for these developers to live in for a time to yes. get to learn the the hurdles here. Yes. Because then you can overcome any hurdle in every country, I think. Yes, I think so. That's yeah, actually a good idea. Zim or Venezuela, one of those two. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I feel like um, it's, and I, I say this again with all due respect and candidly, um, it's great to want to to come up with an idea and hope that it will revolutionize the world and save the world but you can't apply a global north mindset to a global south problem or a global south mindset the way things function down here is very different from how things will function in the US or in Europe um, or in the UK, wherever you are in the world. So there has to be a conscious thinking. I know there's no like one person that particularly owns or, you know, like directs how Bitcoin is going to function. But if you're a Bitcoin developer, is that a thing? If you're a developer or whatever, to take time to contextualize and not, and it's not a one size fits all it could work but it may not work the, the way you think it will mm. um the same way i always say the fourth industrial revolution in africa is going to be it's going to look very different from what it looks like in the u.s for example the way we do things and the way we think and just our cultural values will will shape our future differently. We might not have flying cars. <laughs> maybe our entire system, maybe our future is underground. 
We don't know because our values are different. Do you yeah. know what I mean? Like yeah. our, our, our climate is different. Do you know what I mean? Like everything is different. So a Western, a Western solution or a foreign solution to any nation, an African solution. If I come up with a solution, I'm going to go and I'm going to go and save Australia. You know, it might not work there. I have to spend time that I have to understand that climate. I have to understand that market. And I have to design it according to the needs of the people. Do we really need flying cars? No. <laughs> maybe we need mobile. Maybe we need roads that move on their own and just get us from point A to point. We, we you know, you don't, you don't know that until you've lived, you know, a life. I could call you an honorary Zimbabwean now, you know, because <laughs> you've lived. You know what it's like to drive and have to avoid. You know, they say drunk people in Zimbabwe. If you want to tell if a person's drunk, they drive straight. <laughs> That's they great because because uh, the last time we were driving at night and uh, only in town and I thought to myself it looks like drunken driving but actually it's exactly yeah. the way if yes. people drive straight they are drunk yes yeah they so are under everything yeah I I see what you mean yeah and there has been a lot and lot and lots of money from abroad that has been sunken here because people mm -hmm. thought we do it like we do it in Europe yes. or in the US uh, and we are cl more clever than the people here. Yes. Yeah. We're and more advanced. Yeah, we're more advanced. Yes. We, we, we'd show them how it works. Yes. Yes. But then it, when it I'm cannot. now trying to explain that to my elders, they'll be like, no. <laughs> <laughs> and then you wonder why and you've sunk so much money. You wonder why it didn't work. Mm. But that's because there needs to be a culture of collaboration. I think yeah. I think I can I can push that again, which brings us back to Ubuntu. Yeah, we have to work together. Yeah, it can't come from a I am, you know, the savior complex. Mm -hmm. You can't save us. You have to help us save ourselves. Yeah, yeah. But how could we do that? What 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 would you expect, or what would you say to Bitcoiners in the world that uh, think this could make here a difference? What should we do? What, how could we support you? Collaborate. Um, so come here, seek out developers or, yes. or people who know things, learn yes. from them, economists. Yes. And accessibility. Like come here and design a wallet with you together, for instance. Yes. Because you know it only works with WhatsApp or Telegram. Or, hmm. mm. Yeah. Take time to like... And it's an excellent solution. It's a brilliant product, but it might not work the way you think it will, or you would even like it to. Maybe you wouldn't even think that way. Mm. I think there has to be, you know, uh, less assumption. You know, don't assume we'll all have, you know, normal access to the internet. We only have social media. <laughs> you know, like there's social media bundles. Really? Yes. How many people use normal internet? How many people have access to Wi-Fi? How mm -hmm. many people use have Wi-Fi in their homes? Cost no. of Wi-Fi is ridiculous. A lot of people, but you know, okay, how many of those people like actually buy like an unlimited bundle? A lot of us are limited on limited packages. You need a thousand bond, a thousand Zim dollars. Sorry, it's not called bond anymore. Mm -hmm. <laughs> a thousand Zim dollars for an, that's not, you know, that's not even unlimited. That's like a 150 gigabyte package. Mm -hmm. That's a lot of money mm -hmm. for the average person who's mm -hmm. maybe earning 2.5 mm -hmm. or three grand or four grand. Still a lot of money. Mm -hmm. So there needs to be run away from assumption if you are a person and you're like i can come and save you <laughs> thank you for no, wanting to come and save us um, support i said um come and come and help us think for ourselves show us our options mm -hmm. zimbabweans we love to learn we've lost our culture of learning we're very educated but we love to learn you know and we catch on things very quickly But it's also like have the same way I won't walk into your house and assume that you cook the same way or that you have the same diet as me. The same sensitivity you have towards veganism and all this stuff is the same sensitivity you need to have towards solving any kind of world problem or social economic problems. The same sensitivity. Never assume that things work the same or people think the same. And that's the point where you need diversity in 
people, you know, like have mm. different sets of people, if I can say it that way, mm. with different experiences from different countries, continents, mm. with different li life backgrounds and stuff uh, to work together on these things. I mean, to be honest, Bitcoin is a very white, very male space. Mm. That just that just turned me off. <laughs> I, I completely understand that. I completely yeah. understand that. And I hope that that more and me, more people come in and also the black community in, in the US, for instance, is very small into Bitcoin. Mm. So mm. there's a first book written now by a guy about black America, Bitcoin, black America, something like wow. that. Yeah. I need to look for that. Yeah. And I would wish for more people from different ethnic. aspects and ethnic mm. backgrounds and everything. Yeah. That also, um, be a part of this community because it's a it's a community it yes. should be one yeah yeah and i i like this community and uh, but i want to grow yeah yeah for the sake of the possibilities you have with it to have permissionless uncensored mm. uninflated open source platform money yeah That sounds so, exciting. Just yeah. because of you, I won't lie. Just because of you, I've started like, like I said, I watched the documentary about OneCoin. I think I'm going to take, I've had so many conversations about Bitcoin in this country, but yours has been the most enlightening. Um, <laughs> it's been very enlightening. And it's the first time I've been curious. I Google searched Bitcoin wallet for the first time ever, ever since hearing about it. Like, so how do I do it? <laughs> you know, like it's, it's, It's triggered thought and I'm grateful for that. I'm grateful for the conversation. I think if I can add another thing as to what people can do, in increase the conversation, at least at the very least, even if you can't create a solution immediately, find a way to get us to start talking about it, whether it's holding workshops. And I don't mean in Harare or in Bulawayo, in the, in the capitals where we have all the facilities, go and do it under a tree in Binga and have someone who is there who can translate into the local language and have a conversation. We need to start having more conversations about the future with the people who are actually affected by the future. Yes. Thank you very much. That was also for me, uh, very, very interesting. I'm very grateful. I've learned so much when, uh, in this time here in this country thank you because i I'm also glad. had had so many assumptions of course mm. yeah because you only learn when you really hear yeah and yeah. you experience it and yeah exactly oh, okay it's a difference to understand and know that you have water shortages no electricity mm. it's a difference to be here and to feel it yeah yeah Can I just say, please visit Zimbabwe if you're listening to this. Like, don't let this conversation scare you. We're really awesome. And our country is beautiful. Definitely. And we have so much work to do. Like, we have all these terrible things, but there's a really, there's a young group of people. There's a movement right now. There's a very strong movement right now. If you can tap into it, of young Zimbabweans who are desperately trying to find the good like you said like there's all these bad we're desperately trying to find the good and to build on it and who are genuinely trying to do their best to create an experience that's not only just honest and that okay hey we're gonna have a candlelit dinner because there's actually no power <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um but who who have the values of zimbabwe at heart um Zimbabwe is not our government. So, you know, Zimbabwe is the people that live in it. Um, and we have a lot to give. Um, it may not be much in the greater scheme of the world, but, you know, we, we want to come and have a braai with us, you know, <laughs> and let's cook on the fire because there's no zesta to cook on the stove. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like... Whoever's listening, please visit Zim. If I can just be an ambassador, if you don't mind me sure. just marketing my country. We're beautiful and we have more than Vic the Victoria Falls. <laughs> That's Vic true. We have way more than the Victoria Falls. It's like very awesome. And our people are funny and we like to laugh and we're awesome. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and you are so kind and open here. That's great. Really. Yeah. Thank you. So thank you very much. No. All the best to you. Same to you. Bye. Bye. 
That was today's episode. If you like my show, please subscribe to it in your favorite podcast player and share the episode on social media to bring this content to as many people as possible. If you are a German speaker and want to start using Bitcoin, then I recommend my book to you. It gives you a comprehensive jumpstart into becoming a Bitcoin user with recommendations and safety tips. You can buy it on Amazon or if you prefer to pay with Bitcoin or Lightning, drop me a message at hello at anitaposch.com. I'm currently looking for new sponsors, so please feel free to send me a message too. For new updates and education regarding the use of Bitcoin, please follow me on Twitter at anitaposch and subscribe to my newsletter at anitaposch.com forward slash newsletter. Posch is always written with a C, P-O-S-C-H. Thanks for listening and I hope you will tune in next week again when it's time for Bitcoin and Co. Music start with yes, delicate beats. Editing by Adam B. Levine and the Coindesk Podcast Network. Idea, content and production, yours truly, Anita Posch. <laughs>